Are you reading and hearing all sorts of conflicting information about AI, artificial intelligence, and wondering what impact that might have on you? Well, welcome to AI for Creatives, a podcast by creatives for creatives, connecting you to the world of AI, Web3, blockchain, and beyond. Join our hosts, Camila Sanders and Nova Lorraine, as we explore new ways AI empowers creatives and highlight leading industry innovators utilizing amazing new tools to pave the way for our future. Get inspired and educated by fellow creatives revolutionizing the industry and exemplifying new ways to gain creative independence and sovereignty. We aim to preserve humanity in this fast evolving digital world and creatives are a powerful force to do that. Be a part of the conversation as we take the reins of AI and shape a positive narrative for our future. Welcome to another episode of AI for Creatives, where we explore the impact of AI on humanity and creativity. I am your host, Nova Lorraine, and I'm here with my lovely co-host, Camilla. Hello. So another day, another episode, and lots more AI, that's for sure. Love it. I'm excited. I'm excited about AI. You're excited. (laughs) More AI, more AI. We can't get enough. (laughs) I don't know. I think I still see the double-edged sword. I I get excited about what I can do. The more things I can do from a creative aspect, I get excited when, you know, my imagination is pushed where I come up with a new way of creating content. Like the other day I was creating, what was it? I actually was playing around with logo design. So I I started with text and then I brought in images from online and then I combined that with the images that I created from text. And then I brought in other descriptors that had nothing to do with the original idea. But then I had to take something and I wanted to contain it in a certain shape. And then I had to figure out how to take this element that I created with the AI and then bring it back into a shape. And that was really interesting just going through that process. But then using words and imagery and original, if you want to say original, AI generated, so non-AI generated, AI generated and text and bringing that together and then trying to put that into a shape was really interesting. So I, I get excited when I'm able to, again, like expand on my creativity or, again, give my imagination a little run for its money. But I'd love to hear, as we always do, uh, I'd love to hear, and I'm sure our audience wants to hear what Camila is up to these days. Yeah, so so first, that example that you gave, because I design logos, right? And the example that you gave, I mean, you just kind of gave a hack, sort of, But that's the exact process that I go through to design a logo. Like I talk to the customer, I might, you know, talk about different colors or, you know, different colors have different effects or have different symbols from different things that are important to that company or that person and combine them. And then I do that process in my head, but then I put it out on a piece of paper, right? And -hmm. then I have to go back to the computer to actually create it. So this is actually skipping that step of putting it on paper and just creating it directly with the computer. And for me, you have to go through some, you know, graphic design tweaks and things like that uh, to put it on the computer. But if it's already like doing it and 
put that, you know, it's a vector image or whatever it is, you know, wow, I like it. Yeah. If you, you know, if you're familiar with Adobe and or Canva or both. So I took the icon that I created and then brought that into Canva and started playing around with that. And then from there, I would bring that into Photoshop. But what it allows me to do is to deliver more cons, deliver, yeah, more concepts in a more complete fashion to the customer. And so they then, then they can decide, okay, which concept do I like? And, you know, I could see it in my head, I could see it in a sketch, you know, but to be able to deliver it with colors and the right proportion and the right font that you're looking at and taking that input from the customer to create multiple concepts, you know, what is the vibe? What is the feel? What are the colors that you're thinking about? And sometimes they don't know until they see something. And so for me, it allows me to create completely different concepts and just based on the story, the initial brand story. And then once they see it, they can say, oh, I'm leaning towards, you know, concept one. And then you can dive deeper and go more vertical on that one concept. So that I do get excited about AI from that perspective, you know, as an assistant, as a tool. And uh, yeah, it is kind of a hack. <laughs> Because when I do, lo- I do love creating like logos and you know any element that would represent the brand, and to be able to do that more effectively, where the client can see exactly what's in your head because you could you know have to explain it. You know, I think is really cool. Yeah, and it does take that that part because some people will admit they're like I'm I'm not creative, <laughs> or I think they are, but they don't necessarily come up with these just creative ideas. And so so you're that person that can kind of translate that and turn it into something. So that's really cool. I mean, so you asked me what I was up to. So I actually just finished a talk with AltSwitch hmm. Global, um, which we were on Twitter Spaces talking about how leaders can use technology for positive change. Mm, I love that. Um, and I've also, what's interesting to me, I have a another uh panel discussion with Dalby moderating, but it's examples of organizations in the global South using technology such as blockchain, AI, um, NFTs, all the technologies <laughs> to um, increase impact socially. Hmm. And so um, kind of like boots on the ground, how can these different tools create better or more social impact? So it's a, it's a really interesting time. I think this is like really grabbing and reaching everywhere globally, no matter who it is, right? Yeah, I think it's exciting to see more companies that are web2 native companies, traditional companies outside of emerging tech, you know, making an effort to bring that knowledge to their teams. Cuz I feel like the more individuals know in a way where they can you know, take action, the better, right? And then the more use cases we're going to see in the space that potentially are more relatable to the everyday customer. So I think that's really interesting. And then also you had mentioned how leaders can use technology for positive change. And I think that narrative is continued to bubble to the surface, tech for good, blockchain for good, you know, positive change. And so that's also exciting to hear. And in terms of what I've been up to, similarly doing talks and 
panels, doing a lot more educational workshops as well. Um, had uh, recently recorded a podcast. It's an internal podcast for a major mm-hmm. brand that they'll be sharing with their team and in an effort to continue to educate the company as a whole, very large organization as a whole around emerging technology. And they're just so open and and excited and interested in the information. And it sounds like the leaders that you're working with in, in the Global South are as well. So that's cool. And then also, I think I might have touched on this. Um, there is a book that I'm working on, and it will be released later this year, but it's called Fashion.ai and the Digital Age of Fashion. And that we're promoting for pre-sales for anyone that's interested in getting a snapshot of where we are right now in our timeline as it relates to how fashion's being impacted by these emerging technologies. And then also hearing from experts in the space and just seeing how various tools within technology are moving fashion forward. You know, what is the future fashion going to look like? And where are we now? And so this is what the book talks about. It's a great resource for anyone that's interested in fashion and tech for any student that is studying fashion right now, and then any professionals that are working in the industry. So super, super excited about that. It's been a long time coming, lots of uh, great individuals that are a part of this project. And again, it is ready for pre-sales and you could go to fashionai.ai to get a sneak peek of what's to come. So that's what I've been up to. So let's dive into today's topic. We are talking about text-to-video and generative AI and video, and especially one that will, I believe, and I think you also, Camilla, believe it's going to take the industry by storm, and that's a Google Dreamix. Let me just start off, because for our listeners who haven't heard of it yet, based on when this episode is live, it may be ready for the public, but... Google Dreamix is a generative AI tool that uses neural networks to analyze and manipulate images. It has the potential to impact creativity in a numerous of ways. It is an AI model, and you're able to perform text-based motion and appearance editing of general videos with Dreamix. And then while there have been several image editing tools that have been released out there, such as your Diffusion and Runway, Dreamix is setting itself up to really challenge all existing models. And a lot of that is due to what's called its fidelity. And so if you ever used a text-to-video tool, <laughs> the results may be a little wonky, not accurate or pixelated with Dreamix there is a high amount of fidelity. For example, what you're putting in as a prompt or what you're using, if you're using an image as a prompt or video as a prompt, you can do all of these things with Dreamix. The end result is going to match more closely to what you're looking to achieve. And so if you're saying you're going to put in a balloon, uh, an image of balloons, and you want the balloons to fly in the air, and let's say you want them to be red and white, 
then it would look more closely to that versus it being, let's say, pink and white and it's not really floating. It's just bobbing in place. <laughs> and so that's something that I think DreamX is, has been successful at. And if you'd see any of the content that's been created so far, and as of the recording of our show, it is not yet available to the public, but it will soon be. The, the example that I'm thinking of is the struggle that I have when I'm texting my friends and I'm looking for that perfect gym mm. that I can never find. <laughs> So if there's if there's something that I can say, hey, just do a video of, of this thing and it pops up and then I can send that. I think you just, um, I think yeah, well, I think you literally just created <laughs> a whole new business that, model. So someone's yeah. going to hear this and have their own like GIF creating <laughs> company <laughs> that's, or app that, you know, custom app <laughs> powered by Dreamix or Stable Diffusion or something like that. Because it's true. Like I will, I, I remember having to create a GIF for a presentation I was doing and it took several steps and then I had to upload it into the program that I was presenting from and it was okay. It was okay, you know, doing it for the first time. And then of course you see these really funny ones that are pulled from social media, but if you can create your own original GIFs and then you could be inspired by what you've seen by on social media or just something that you have in your head. I think that'd be really cool. So who knows? <laughs> who knows how many new entrepreneurs that you're creating with that one, that one statement? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, and I think that's that's what people are going to to use some of these technologies for. Really, I mean, because if you think about social media and just the creativity that's on there, like everyone is so creative making these images, <laughs> videos, you know, that, that people are already making. And just imagine these types of tools in people's hands to just create whatever they want, which is somewhat controversial, but it just kind of helps you to get those creative thoughts out. So yeah, so let's talk about some of the, the ways that uh, Google's DreamX can work within the creative space. Yeah. So for, for the techies out there, uh, Dreamix is a video diffusion model. And you've heard our previous episodes where we've talked about the language model AI tools. This is a video diffusion model. You may have heard of stable diffusion. You may have also played with runway. There's um, NVIDIA's DID, which I've used and created my own Frankenstein that tells a story. She's actually really pretty. She looks nothing like Frankenstein, but you're able to create images from scratch and then animate them, add scripting, and bring them to life. Well, with DreamX, you can also take a collection of images and bring that into the tool to create new videos. You can use an image and text input to create new videos. So for example, let's say there is a turtle underwater and this is a clip that you have of a photo and you wanna show the turtle surrounded by seahorses, for example. So now you uploaded that photo, you put in the text prompt, turtle underwater with seahorses surrounding it and then the tool will generate an animated video of the sea turtle underwater with seahorses. And then you only have that one photo that you're using. You could also do video to video. So let's, for me as a fashion designer, 
I could put in a video of a fashion shoot and I can give it a text prompt of fashion shoot in black and white with red, red lights on the ceiling. And now it's going to use my initial video as the basis for creating this new video. Going back to my comment about fidelity, it allows it to preserve the context as much as possible. That's for those techie, those, this for the techies or those that are geeking out on how this works. <laughs> um, I love talking about how it works. That's, that's a little bit of insight. So what are some of the ways that you feel creativity is going to be impacted, Kimala, with this? I definitely think that, you know, we kind of talked about logo design and, and you talked about how you can transform this shoot into a fashion show, you know? So I think it's really that it's going to give people the ability to, you know, maybe they don't, maybe people don't have access to Adobe and these different products um, that you can create videos or you can create, you know, images or logos like it's going to give people access to create whatever is in their brain, right? Mm, mm-hmm. um, or whatever, or even be inspired by this creativity. If it creates something, you're like, oh, okay, well, that's cool, but I can do this. Or someone else creates something, you're like, oh, that's cool. I would do you know, this instead. And it, it's just, it's kind of like just bringing your thoughts to life, but doing it in a way that is accessible to everyone in a very easy way because with AI, yes, AI machine learning, there's lots of, like you said, for the techies, this is how it works. But for other people, they might be like, okay, that's great, but I can just do a text to image. And and so it works seamlessly without it being too hard for people to understand a full, you know, robust program. So I think it's really more about the accessibility, mm-hmm. how it's going to impact, you know, the everyday person. Yeah, I absolutely agree. I mean, you mentioned inspiration, experimentation, you know, as, as some of the examples we were talking about earlier, collaboration, working together more seamlessly, inspiring others with ideas, and then accessibility, one of the main reasons why we're even doing this podcast, right? To make this education, this knowledge accessible. And so this is also something where individuals can create more easily with less cost. So of course, I'm going to have to jump into how this is going to impact fashion. (laughs) I'm going to have to talk about that from a design perspective. This is in that bigger, you know, DreamX is a part of the bigger category of generative AI. And we on previous episodes have discussed Midjourney, we've touched on Dolly, we've talked about ChatGPT and how you could bring all those things together. But one of the things we haven't talked too much about is textile design. And on our last fashion episode, we talked about the efficiency and productivity around design in general, like how many ideas can you come up with for a collection or for a brand but textile design and to be able to use DreamX for putting in images and then animating those images or using that information to create a unique combination and display textures that you may not have thought about, patterns that you may not have thought about, and surreal images, which may be a little more challenging to develop quickly. And of course, you can use your traditional mediums, your paint, your pastels, and your pencils and markers, but to be able to use 
something like Dreamix, you know, a text to image or a text to video tool to create surreal images that you then can bring into a fabric or textile, I think is pretty awesome. And that, of course, bleeds into print design, no pun intended, <laughs> where I love seeking out unique prints and I love creating prints. And I'm very much inspired by geometry and nature. And so flowers, if you've ever seen any of my designs that I've showcased online, you would see a lot that are prints and, and textures that include flowers of all kinds. And so this tool can allow me to bring in images of tropical flowers from Jamaica, you know, where I was born and give some text prompts and then also use that as a way to create and inspire new designs for my clothes. So those are a couple ideas in the fashion space. You're also in fashion. What are you excited about in terms of what it could do for the fashion industry? Yeah, well, you know, it's interesting. I always say I work in the intersection between two things, you know, sustainable fashion, but also technology. And a lot of times people have a hard time understanding like how those two worlds merge. And so one of the things that we talk about is digital fashion, right? Creating garments digitally. Um, I know we talked in the past about if you create it digitally, you can showcase it to your audience before you produce it. So, you know, that's of course one way. But one example that I use is being able to use sustainable fabrics. So, for example, if you're a sustainable ethical fashion brand, it can be sometimes a little bit limiting if you want to use, you know, quality fabrics like wool and, and you know, you want to source quality things that are made in an ethical way, sometimes it does bring up the price point, which is fine, but sometimes you also want to be super creative and create things that maybe you need like plastic or you create a garment made out of water, you know, sometimes something that's more like artistic that you can't really create in part, you know, in real life. Right. And so it helps to get out that creativity, but then it helps to give the fashion design, designer some type of choice as far as like, hey, this is my extravagant garment that I created with generative AI that can be even more cool. And then maybe people can buy it. Maybe they can just look at it like you gave the example of using it, but then using it in a fashion show, right? <laughs> and so it's it can help brands to further connect with their audience and connect with the creativity that comes with designs and lead them to, you know, things that are in real life too. That that use case kind of it comes to mind and just another thing about the fashion shows. So I think it's really you know how we always see these fashion shows in there, some of them like kind of blow your mind with all the kind of theatrics that happen during a fashion show. And I was doing an event last year and it was at a film studio and it had this huge screen and we kind of used these different effects, but it was like videos that were being displayed behind the DJ, right? Mm -hmm. And so I can just imagine a fashion show with behind it having these effects of this text to video to make it easy instead of having a whole team of people, developers, developing something in Unreal Engine. Like you're just kind of mm. taking these these different um, generative AI and creating something very easily, simply, and putting it up on this 
you know, huge screen. Mm. So it kind of, it, it's breaking down those barriers again. And you're able to use that, that imagination too. It, it makes it really more accessible. I love that. I, as you were as you were sharing, of course, I'm thinking about, ooh, what do I want to yeah. put on the runway for my next show? Uh, I think that when you when you talk about accessibility from that perspective, it is really expensive to create, or could be, it could be um, expensive to create video and and stories in video. And as a fashion designer, I always say fashion designers are multidisciplinary artists. They're storytellers. Um, you know, a lot of them are fine artists as well. Now, nowadays, you're mixing the technology, and so now you're able to create with technology. But to then take your stories and bring them into film, may it be a video of your designs animated on a runway, or may it be a an abstract image, a, a collage of images being animated behind the models, you know, as they're coming down a physical runway, and or being able to create a short film around your fashion or bring this content into a digital environment where your fashion is being showcased. I mean, these are all things that would have been very expensive to produce. And so what does that do from access? It lowers the plane, the lowers the barrier and, and, and levels the playing field for independent artists and designers to create experiences that can compare to some big brand experiences. And then, you know, speaking of film, you, of course, you have the visual effects, which we we're referencing and being able to produce frame by frame imagery that can then turn into a longer form piece of content. You have set design, you have character design that you can use. You know, there's, I know with Google's AI, generative AI, there's an example of, I believe, of an elephant walking under the water. There was a teddy bear, I believe, washing dishes, which is another really popular video. And neither of them look perfect. And these were some of the early examples of videos. And just like with ChatGPT, we're going to see as soon as the public gets its hands on these tools, what's going to happen and what are the startups that are going to come from this and and how fast these tools are going to advance. Because there's only so much you can do with a small team in a closed environment. But get Five million people in a in a couple of weeks, or a couple hundred million in a couple of months, and you know, will this have the same success as ChatGPT in terms of how many individuals will use it, and how quickly you know will that take effect? But I think when you're looking at visual effects, you're looking at set design, you're looking at character design, and then similarly with fashion, you're going to have a whole onslaught of ways to collaborate between your artists, your filmmakers, your costume designers, your set designers, you know, even your musicians bringing in music as well. So I think, you know, I have loved the journey I've taken with text to image tools, but to go from text to video, image to video, video to video, I cannot wait <laughs> to get my hands on it. Yeah. You know, what you were saying about film, it makes me think of musicians. And we know how just the NFTs affected have affected musicians, mm -hmm. right? 
in a way where they can uh, they can connect with their audience, but then and give their audience even more. But then it's a direct way for their audience to participate and purchase their music. But then I start to think about when you were talking creating music videos and how those are created and you have to do like all the set design and oh the person's in a forest and you kind of have to do the video of the forest and you have to put all the you know the trees and you know all the stuff that goes into creating like this cool video and then you think of text to image and you're like wait a minute yeah you can have this image that goes to video and or text to video where you have this entire set that you're creating in an instance with AI. And so now you have, you know, just your everyday person that's an independent artist that's able to create this fantastical music video with using this AI tool without paying anything, really. Right, right. And that just gave me another idea. So I have a story, a sci-fi story that I've been developing for a while. There's quite a few, actually. But this one that (laughs) I had launched some NFTs around and... You know, I have images of the main character because the NFTs are based on the the story and the characters. And as you collect the characters, you learn more about the story. But anyway, the main character has these incredible powers. And, you know, when people see her as, as a 2D image, they fall in love with her. But I, in my head, can imagine what she would look like in an animated film, what she would look like in a live action film. And I could now take these images that I've created of her and take segments of the story that I've written and bring these together to create an animated version. And now I can take that, let's say, to a producer or a network, you know, in combination with whatever other written materials I have and say, here, because not everyone is visual. Like you can have this really great idea in your head. And you could even describe it, but based on how well of a communicator you are, we all know that images, you know, say a lot more than just our words. And so you can really be able to sell your ideas more quickly. You can, if it's literally selling them for dollars, but also conveying them to the rest of your team so they can execute more accurately in terms of what you're seeing in your head. So that was something that came to mind. I mean, what it's going to do to the publishing industry, the storytelling base, you know, comics, um, it's going to be fascinating. And think of kids' book. What child doesn't want to see their favorite character in a book come to life? And now you're going to have independent writers being able to animate their stories, even if it's a little clip of the main character or of, you know, a group of characters in their story, what that's going to do from an experiential standpoint as it relates to their, their book. Yeah, and I'm glad you used that example because I know that there's some people out there listening to this and we're like, yeah, we don't need a big film studio and we don't need we don't need an animator or whatever that is because now we have this tool. So I think I'm gl- and the reason why I'm glad you gave that example is because you were talking about a storyboard and kind of like this animated storyboard and taking that to someone to actually make it look, you know, really really nice. So I do think that you know, it's, it is for independent people that maybe can't afford that, you know, $50,000, $100,000 production. It's going to be great. Uh, but I also think that, you know, there's people that can and companies that can't afford that are still going to want like the real, the real thing. So I'm glad you gave that example. Yeah, I think that we're going to see a combination of both 
your existing larger companies as well as your independence using this in a variety of ways. But I also feel like we've said over and over again, these tools are just the beginning. They're not the end point. You know, they're not perfect. It's still early. And I think as a creative person, it's going to push you. It's going to open up new areas of creativity and and inspire you in ways that you may not have been inspired by. And I don't think the tool is the only thing you should use to create and produce or to be inspired, but it is a new channel that's being entered into our world as creators. And it's up to us to figure out how can we optimize it and how can we optimize ourselves (laughs) and where we continue to deliver things that are even greater than what we're doing now. And then, so speaking of big companies, I always get interested when I come across, you know, notable brands that are traditional companies or artists that have been around for a while adopting these technologies. And one that jumps out is Adobe. I mentioned it earlier when I was talking about my example for presentations, but Adobe has been using AI for a while, but they have taken it to a whole nother level. If you use their new Photoshop, and I believe it's called Adobe Firefly, if you use their new AI-enabled suite, you're going to be blown away. So Adobe is one where most people can get access to that one way or another. And you can see for yourself Prada. You know, we were talking about fashion, you know, Prada using you know, AI to create surreal and abstract imagery for some of their campaigns, their marketing campaigns. And so we're going to see, and not, and we're not always going to know when AI is used, you know, that's another thing. We're just going to be like, oh, that was great. But for the company and the creators behind the scenes, they know that this is something that they can incorporate into their workflow. Yeah. So speaking of not knowing when AI is used, mm-hmm. so there is artist that has been coming across my feed, um, if I'm pronouncing it correctly, Refik, Refik, Anadol, so R-E-F-I-K, mm-hmm. and the last name A-N-A-D-O-L. I have to spell it out because I need everyone to look it up. But it's been coming across my feed, and I didn't think about that this person is using AI, but you will see these huge images or not even images are like moving and it's flowing and it looks like 3D and, you know, all kinds of, it's like an art exhibition. And I've seen that and I did not realize that AI, he uses AI to generate those moving images, but they're so amazing. You know, Rafiq Anadol, that's how I pronounce it. So if I'm butchering Mm -hmm. your name, Rafiq, please forgive me. And then come on the show. <laughs> and then come on the show. Um, I am so inspired by his work. I came across his his work last summer, uh, late maybe spring, um, winter spring of last year, and then started like really researching him and his work spring summer. And right as I, right before I got into a program that's called the NASA Tech to Transfer accelerator done in partnership with the Virginia Tech Science and Research Park. And so I was in this three to four month accelerator where you're challenged to bring NASA technology to commercial use, basically. And I come in with an idea around fashion. 
but I was inspired by Rafik's work because I loved what he was doing with 3D motion and animated video. And I had no idea it was powered by AI until um, I started to dive a little deeper. And then my my inspiration behind the House of Nova is partly due to the work that Rafik has been doing, where I'm bringing emerging technology, a variety of emerging technology tools, including AI and you know data art and, and 3D immersion together with fashion, in particular couture fashion. So you just never know who and what is using these emerging technology tools. And like I said, you're not always going to know, you're just going to be inspired. And he's a perfect example. His work is breathtaking. So if you do get a chance to check out Rafiq Anadol's A-N-A-D-O-L, please do. Yeah. And that's, that's such a great point because I think all of this to see what people are doing and have been doing for a while, actually, it is really inspiring and it's, it's encouraging to help you to say, oh, well, maybe I should try that out. Maybe it isn't, you know, as bad as some people have been saying. <laughs> so definitely encourage people to, to dive in, look up some of the examples that we gave and see how you can use it yourself. Get inspired. Yeah, absolutely. And I would say, you know, just to round out the conversation, the conversation around AI is only going to continue to increase the amount of users for these tools are going to increase. And with the amount of users increasing, you're going to have the development and uh, power of these tools increase with that because they're, they're learning as, as the users are using them. And so I think it is imperative for us to understand what they do, um, both on the positive and negative side, and to, to learn, you know, not all of us have to use the tools, but to learn about them so we can, if need be, create rails around the tools that will continue to allow humanity to prosper and thrive in whatever way that means. And the goal I see for these tools being introduced into our workflow and our lives is to free up more time for us to do the things we love with who we love. And that would be the goal. You know, if we love to create and we can create more and we can do it with the individuals we want to create with, then we win. And so I think it's always great that we can circle back to what is the human face of all of this and how will humanity be impacted and what role you can play. So if you're not the artist, maybe you're the advocate, maybe you are the legal representative that's helping artists protect their IP and using AI to do that. You know, maybe you are the accountant that's supporting those that are using this in one way or another. I mean, everyone has a role that they can play, but by understanding it, that will allow you and empower you to get into the sandbox and, and play with it. Yeah. I mean, what you said is so important and it makes me think of two things. One, uh, sitting with my kids creating dancing teddy bears with this new <laughs> AI tool <laughs> because I know they would love to create some videos with it. I mean, they they already use uh, tools to create videos, so this would be great. But then also, you know, just in general, like you said, spending more time with um, your family, spending more time outdoors, all the things that we wish we could do more of that uh, we can't sometimes because we're working or we're doing yeah. some of these tasks. So 
Yeah, I love love it that you brought it back to the human side of things. Yeah, and I think this is a good place to wrap up the episode uh, where we discussed Google Dreamx's new tool and what that means in terms of text to video and uh, image to video and video to video, and to see generative AI impact the video space. We've seen what it's done with images. We seen when it's done with words, and now we're going to see what it's going to do with video and where that's going to go. And again, um, this is brought to you by the Pink Kangaroo Podcast Network, and that's Kangaroo with a U. Definitely check out our other transformational shows, both for your life and your business, and our other tech, emerging tech shows as well, including Crypto for Creatives, another podcast that Camille and I co-host. And again, it's pinkkangaroo.com, and that's Kangaroo with a U. And again, this is AI for Creatives. We're bringing to you the intersection of AI, creativity, and humanity. I am your host, Nublarain. This is Camila. Until next time. Ciao. Bye.